Amen. How's everybody doing? All right. Man, what a great song that was. Come on, go have our worship team a big round of applause. Yeah. I love I love that song. They they based that song out of a message that we spoke back here early, right at the beginning of of, of um uh, a while back, it was called Urgency. I don't know if you remember that message, but it was called Urgency out of Romans 13, and they based that message out of there. So, so what an amazing song. I'm sure as we sing it, you'll get more and more used to it, and uh, you'll, be, you'll be able to close your eyes and just jump right in, just worship the Lord. But man, so glad to see you here. I'd love Alicia to come on up here. Where's she at? I know she's here somewhere. Alicia, Alicia, Alicia. Um, is she in the back? She was on the worship team, so she, she can't be too far away. She's probably walking around. All right, well, while she's doing that, I'll go ahead and uh, I'll go ahead and give a couple of announcements. This Wednesday is our midweek service at 7 p.m. And uh, so if you're, if you're looking for somewhere to be on a Wednesday, you want to gather in person, we're meeting across the street in the vault at 7 p.m. Those midweek services are also streaming online. And so if you want to join us online Wednesdays, you're well, more than welcome to do that as well. Uh, we got a special service in store for you this week. And so I uh, really encourage you to be out for that. Also want to give a, a, a plug to our uh, uh, youth ministries, Elevate Nights, every Friday night. I, I saw some footage from this past service uh, on Friday night and just the, the young people just worshiping the Lord. Look, if you know teenagers uh, that, 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 that are, are not living for God or maybe in your neighborhood driving you crazy, maybe you'd encourage them, invite them to come to Elevate Nights. It's a great place for them to, to be together and uh, serve the Lord and just get inspired to live for Jesus and have a great life for God. So that happens on Friday nights at 7 p.m. If you're giving this morning, we encourage giving our tithe and our offering such a critical part of our relationship with God. There's three ways that you can give at our church. Uh, the first way is right under your chairs if you're giving with cash or check, you just go ahead and put, an, and put it in the envelope that's under each of your chairs. And in the back you'll see glow bo- glowing boxes. Those are our giving boxes. Just drop your, your, your love offering right there into, that, into those, in those glowing boxes and we'll get those. You can also give online. So if you're streaming with us today or in the service, you want to give electronically you can do that either by going on to the elevate ministries app and giving hitting the heart button right there in the middle and giving securely there or you can text easy one two three to the number seven seven nine seven seven and i'll give you the, the prompts and you can just go right through there and give to the lord god 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 appreciates your giving and our church appreciates your giving literally your financial contributions are helping us make an impact all around the world and uh, so we appreciate all of you that so into the ministry now can we have alicia come up on the stage everyone all right just so you know this is going to be our last, um, our last service for a little while with Alicia. Duty calls, all right? She's actually serving in the Marine Corps. Is that correct? I have that right? And she is going to be, she's getting shipped off here in the next little while. And so uh, she, she informed me today that this is going to be her last service with us for a while. She's a blessing to our church. Don't, don't just say amen to that. She's always a blessing. And, and so, first of all, we want to thank you for your service, first of all. We appreciate anyone that would serve in the United States of America. We appreciate that. But come on, let's, 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 let's show some appreciation. Alicia, we appreciate you. Amen. So anyways, remain standing. We're going to pray for her, God's protection over her. Uh, you're going to be away from us for a little bit. I think like a year, right? Did you say a year? Like six months. All right, that's going to go by fast. 
We go by fast. And so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll miss you, but we'll hold the fort, okay? We'll keep it, we'll keep it down here, and uh, you protect us over there, okay? And so let, why don't we pray for Elisa, God's protection over her, peace over her mind. She is going to be separated from her husband for this time. And, and uh, so just, just God, would, God would just get peace over her mind and over the whole situation. I know God's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of you. Lord, we thank you today. Thank you for Alicia. We thank you for, Lord, her, her relationship to us in this church. Lord, we're going to miss her, Lord, in person. We're going to miss seeing her. But we know that you're going to take care of her. Lord, that you're going you're gonna to provide for her, that your, your peace is going to transcend all understanding. Lord, even though she's, she's off at sea, Lord, we, we know that you're going you're gonna to be, be with her and you're going to protect her. Lord, provide for her. Lord, let ministry flow to her. Lord, I pray you'd use her in a tremendous way, God, right there. Lord, God, to, to everyone that she's around, let her be a light. Let her represent you wherever she goes. God, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. We love you. We love you. Amen. Amen. Come on. So make sure, make sure that you, you, you make sure you say goodbye to Alicia today. Give her a big hug. Let her know you're going to be praying for her. You're going to miss her. We're going to release our children uh, to their classrooms this morning. And uh, we're going to jump right into round two of the series called Home Aid. Somebody say Home Aid. Homemade. How many looking for a homemade Thanksgiving meal? Come on. How many looking forward to that? I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to a homemade turkey, homemade stuffing, homemade mashed potatoes. I'm looking forward to all of those things in just a couple of weeks. My favorite holiday of the year is Thanksgiving and uh, later with Christmas. Christmas is expensive. I, will, I, like, I like eating, all right? So Thanksgiving is going to be fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, so anyways, during this series, we want to kind of a play on words. Uh, we're, we're talking about home aid, and what we want to provide is aid for your homes, aid for relationships. Um, you say, well, I'm single. I don't even have a family. That's not true. Every one of us, God puts, God puts us in families. And so if you're not married and say, I don't have any kids, this doesn't relate to me, not true, not true at all. God puts you in a family. You have a church family that you're a part of. You're a part of a family right here. You also have a work family where you work. You have a neighborhood family where you live. All of us, we experience family in some some form or another. Of course, during this series, we are going to be talking about marriage a little bit. We're going to be talking about relationship with kids a little bit. We're going to be talking about all kinds of, all sorts of different things as it it relates to, to, to relationships. But I'm telling you, right now, you can apply all of God's word, all of his principles in all of your relationships. That's just the way it works. It's just the way it works. And so I'm excited today to to bring round two. Last week, you got my mom. How cool was that? You got Sister Bonnie. Now, if, you, if you'd never heard my mom speak before, that, before now, now you know that she is a kindergarten teacher, all right? And uh, she's streaming with us online this morning. Everybody say hello to, to, to my mom. Uh, she's with us online. My mom is a teacher, and I know, I know you guys had fun last week uh, and, and we, as we kicked off this series. If you're streaming with us online, we just want to welcome you in and glad you joined us this morning. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 29. And you're going to have to really kind of hang in with me today, or you're going to miss kind of the whole gist of this thing. You're going to have to, especially the beginning, you're going to have to get and understand this story, and uh, then we'll, we'll, we'll go somewhere. We'll have a little fun today. Is that all right? Can we have some fun? Is it okay to have fun in church, everyone? Are you guys alive and awake this morning? It's, all right. It's okay to have a little fun. All right, so I'm going to read one verse. It's really ambiguous, and then I'm going to talk about it lay the framework, and then we're going to get to work on our families. All right, so Genesis chapter 29, verse 1. The Bible says this, that when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. All right, 
So we're going to read some more of this story here in a moment, but I'm going to talk about this context. Now, the context is this. Are you guys ready? So Jacob has moved out. This is what you need to know. Jacob has moved out, and he's, he's beginning to work for his uncle, a guy by the name of Laban. All right, so you have Jacob has moved out. He's working for his uncle, a guy by the name of Laban. And the reason Jacob's moved out is he's basically on the run. He's actually running for, for, for his life because his brother wants to kill him. His brother's a guy by the name of Esau. And the reason Esau wants to kill Jacob is because Jacob's been swindling him his entire life. Most recently, he's actually swindled him of his birthright. So he's getting the inheritance. He's basically stolen the, inher- the family inheritance. He has stolen it from Esau who deserves it, okay? So Esau is ticked. He is mad. He's, he's very angry. And the plan is, as soon as dad kicks the bucket, Esau says, I'm killing Jacob. He's making it known. As soon as dad dies, um, Jacob is mine. Jacob's going to follow him quickly. You better keep that hole in the ground. We're going we're to fill some more in there. Right? This is, this is kind of what's going on. Well, the problem is, is Rebecca. Now, who's Rebecca? Rebecca is Jacob and Esau's mother. Well, Jacob is the mama's boy in the picture. All right? Jacob is the one mama likes the most. And so, so Rebecca finds out, hey, Esau's going to kill Jacob. I like Jacob the best. And so she basically warns Jacob, hey, you got to get out of here. Your brother is going to kill you. And so Jacob's like, he's going to kill me. And she's like, yes, he's going to kill you. So he runs for his life. He ends up at, at, at Laban's house, all right? So he gets to Laban's house, his uncle's house. He's like, what's up, uncle? So he gets to his uh, gets to uncle's house and, and Tio, all right, whatever you want to, however you did it. Uh, he goes to Tio's house and, and all of a sudden his eyes meet the most beautiful woman he's ever seen. He's just, he's just struck. He is smitten. He, he is beside himself. He has, just, he has just laid his eyes on the woman of his dreams, all right? And he finds out that's actually his cousin, which is super weird. But anyways, he, he goes to his uncle and he's like, hey, hey, uncle, I, I, you know, I just saw, you know, your daughter, Rachel, and uh, she is fine. All right. She is great. I, 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 there's nothing more that I want in this world than to marry Rachel and call her my own. And so Laban's like, he doesn't have a great relationship. They, they don't know each other very well. This is kind of like, you know, this is just kind of a happenstance. He ends up there. And so he's looking, he's got leverage now over Jacob and he needs a little help around the house. And so he says, he's all right, this is what we'll do. He says, he says, you're, if you, if you'll be willing to work for seven years, I'll give you Rachel. I'll give you my daughter. Jacob's like, done deal. Which I think is crazy. I personally think this is crazy. Because he he doesn't really know Rachel. All right? All he knows is what she looks like. He doesn't spend any time with her. All right? So it's dangerous to base your your, your decisions for your future on looks alone. All right? So I think he's making a big mistake here. but, But nevertheless, he says, done deal. I'm willing to work seven years as long as I can get that, all right? And so he goes to, he goes to his father-in-law and he creates this deal and, and um, he, he, then we read in verse 16. Now, here's the thing. Um, verse 16, the Bible says that Laban, okay, he's worked seven years. Let's just keep that. He's worked seven years. The problem is, is that Laban has two, sis, two, two daughters, okay? And so verse 16 says, so Laban has two daughters, the name of the elder was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. In verse 17, this is where the description comes in. 
Now, you got to remember the Bible is always kind of a half-full gospel, all right? God's always very optimistic about people, and so he's never really mean, all right? So you've got to kind of take that in consideration here. It says, it says, Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance, all right? So, so you've got you to imagine the Bible's being somewhat nice here. It's like it's not going to say Leah was you know, that's not what it's doing here. But it, it's kind of saying, well, Leah's eyes were delicate. And I started to think about that. What does that even mean? You ever thought about that? What does that mean? Her eyes were delicate. It's like, does, are, are, they, are they so delicate that if she, like, turns a certain way, one eye stays that way? And so then, then they're looking at each other. Like, what does delicate eyes even mean? Like, that's super weird. But, but the Bible says that, that Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel beautiful in form and appearance, all right? And so, and so that's, what we need to, that's all you need to know about this. So, so he works for seven years uh, um, to, to marry Rachel, and finally the, the time comes, and he's like, Uncle, it's been seven years. It's time to do the deed. It's time to get married. It's time to seal the deal. I'm ready to go. And Laban's like, all right, we're going to plan this big wedding. And so Laban begins to work and he begins to plan this wedding. And, and the wedding day comes. All the family's in town. It's a massive festival. Everybody's excited. Laban's got all kinds of wine there. And, 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 and Jacob begins to recognize it, that every time Laban comes around, he keeps adding a little wine to his glass. Can't really figure out why, but he's just kind of going for it. And it's getting a little bit late. It's like 11 o'clock and, 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 and Jacob's like, man, it's been seven long years. I, I want to I wanna get on and to the consummation process. I want to I I get on to the honeymoon side of things and I'm, I'm tired of the wedding night and this is kind of pictures are over. We're going to say goodbye to everybody. He goes to, he goes to Laban's like, Laban, like, come on, let's, let's, let's get this party started. You know what I'm talking about? And so the dad's like, all right, you know, the sun's gone down. It's, he says, why don't you go to your tent, turn the light off. I'm going to bring her to you. And Jacob's like, that sounds like a great idea, all right? So he goes to his tent, you know, all of a sudden, Laban goes over, and uh, he sees delicate eyes, beautiful in form and appearance. So he, he gets this idea in this moment. He grabs delicate eyes, Leah, and he takes her over the tent and just kind of pushes her in, right? And so it's been seven years, so you can't blame Jacob for what's about to happen next, okay? So, 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 so he, here he is, he, he's seven long years, great, great evening, consummates this marriage, and, and all of a sudden, next morning, break of day, Jacob's comfortable in his bed, opens up one of his eyes, and who knows what's looking at him right there, you know? All, all we know, he's like, ah, like, oh my gosh, what's happened? He realizes he's been swindled. So he, so he runs out of the tent, and, and he, he's approaching. He, he storms out of the tent to approach and confront his uncle Laban. Like, what, what has taken place here? Now, I just want you to stop and imagine the psychological damage that's been done to Leah. And just imagine it for a second. First, the dad has basically told her that the only way he can find someone to actually love her is through deception right? It's basically what he said. He says, he says, I'm going to, in order to get this one married, I'm going to have to manipulate and trick this guy because of those delicate eyes. I'm going to have to do something about this. So, so a father who's supposed to be building the self image and the self esteem of his daughter, he's just done the exact opposite. Are you with me? Come on. Are you with me this morning? All right. So imagine the, the, the rejection that Leah is feeling in this moment. For seven years, Jacob 
all right? Rightfully so, Jacob's disappointed, all right? For seven years, he's worked for Rachel. He's, he has a vision, and, and his heart, and his passion, his desire is for Rachel. He's just been swindled. Can you imagine the disappointment he's feeling? So you almost can't, you, you, you can't blame the guy, all right? Of course he's disappointed. So, so what's happened here is Leah and Jacob, they've, they've already consummated their union. They're legally married. There's no going back. They've done the most intimate act and yet, Leah, at first light, she's experiencing immense rejection. Are you with me today? She's given her everything she has. She's given Jacob herself, and he's rejected it. And now he's demanding an explanation from his uncle. How could you do this to me? And the Bible picks it up, and the Bible says that Laban replied, it's not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week, and then I'll give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. All right, so now Jacob has been tricked into not seven years for Rachel, but now he's been tricked for another seven years, and now he's got not only one wife, he's got two. All right, he's married to both of them. But because his heart is for Rachel, just imagine being married to two, two women at once. That's not a good thought. But just imagine being married to, to both of them, but you really, really desired Rachel. Imagine, imagine what that would look like, because, because his heart's for Rachel. He would actually look past Leah all the time, he'd look past Leah to get to Rachel. So when Jacob has free time, who's he spending with? He's spending it with. He's not spending it with Leah. He's not spending it with delicate eyes. He's spending it with beautiful in appearance and form, right? When Jacob is feeling affectionate, it's always affectionate toward Rachel and not toward Leah. When, when he goes, when it's date night, Who's Jacob picking for date night? He's, he's taking Rachel and not Leah. So imagine what Leah's having to live with. You guys, you guys have this inside. You guys got this. So with all of that, that's how we started our text. And the Bible says in verse 31, which I find very sad, the Bible says that when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved. Now, I don't know if there's anything more wicked than that. I don't, think, I don't think there's anything more destructive or evil for a woman to be married and not, not be loved. In other words, there's, there's intimacy sexually, but there's no love at all. So here's Leah. She has to, she's married, but she has to live with the obvious evidence that she's not loved, and everyone knows it. But here's what's crazy. is According to this scripture, God saw it. God noticed this. God noticed this. He, he's the one that sees it. I want you to understand that regardless of what, what's going on in your life relationally, whatever relationships that you're dealing with that are hard right now, I want you to know that you're not alone. God does know what you're going through. God does see it. So what does God do? Look what the Bible says, that he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. And, and, and so Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and she named him Reuben, for she said, it is because the Lord has seen. Somebody underline, if you have your Bible open, underline the word seen. It's because the Lord has seen my miser misery. Surely my 
husband will love me now. Then she conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, it's because the Lord heard, underline that word heard, the Lord heard that I am not loved, and he gave me this one too, and she named him Simeon. Again, she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, now at last my husband will become attached, underline that word attached to me, because I have borne him three sons, so she named him Levi. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time I will praise, somebody underline the word praise the Lord, so she named him Judah, and she stopped having children. Now, she didn't totally stop, she just took a break, okay, because she ends up with six kids, and we're going to find the other two, okay? The other two are in the next chapter over. This story is awesome. All right, so Genesis 30, verse 14, the Bible says that during wheat harvest, Reuben, does anybody remember who Reuben was? That's the firstborn son, right? Reuben, now he's older, all right? He went out into the field and found some mandrake plants. I just want to stop here real quick because I have no idea what a mandrake plant is. And I don't think anybody here knows what a mandrake plant is. But I looked it up, and we don't really have them here, but the roots, if you pull it out, it looks like a little man, which I think is awesome. Anyways, um, so, so, so they call it a mandrake. Isn't that great? And so the kind of a folklore thing, just a little background, they, 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 what the custom was, they thought that if they like smoke or drink or make a stew out of the, out of the roots, that somehow would help their ability to conceive. All right, so it's kind of like a, a thing to kind of get you to have kids, all right? And so, so that's kind of cool, all right? So, 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 they found, so Reuben found mandrake plants, which he brought to his mother Leah. Picture this, okay? Little men. <laughs> All right, so Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your mandrakes. But she said to her, wasn't it enough that you took away my husband? Will you take my son's mandrakes too? All right, this is like total stress going on here. This is a little bit weird. All right, so watch what happens next. It's pure comedy. Very well, Rachel says, he can sleep with you tonight in return for your son's mandrakes. How did that happen? Like, isn't, do, anyways, okay. I'll give a night of intimacy with my husband if I can have those mandrakes. That's a little bit strange, okay? The Bible's brilliant. All right, so, so when Jacob, picture this. So when Jacob comes in from the fields that evening for dinner, Leah went out to meet him, all right? Gentle eyes, went out to meet him. You must sleep with me. I've hired you with my son's mandrakes. You don't find that hilarious? I just find this totally hilarious. The Bible is not boring. So, as a result, he slept with her that night, okay? Verse 17, and God listened to Leah, and she became pregnant and bore Jacob a fifth son. Then Leah said, God has rewarded me, underline the word, rewarded me for giving my servant to my husband, and she named him Issachar. Leah conceived again, bore Jacob a sixth son, and Leah said, God has presented me with a precious gift. This time my husband will treat me with honor, honor, underline honor, because I have borne him six sons, so she named him Zebulun. I, I, I've entitled this message, name, name the Need. Name the Need. Because I believe that there's relational longings each one of us have. Every one of us have a longing in our heart for different, different things as it relates to relationships. And I believe that right here in our text, Leah 
just fantastically, just begins to name our needs as she names her sons. And so what I want to do is I want to look at these six sons, and I want to talk about the relational needs that each of us have, and we'll do a little work, and, and maybe we can, we can have some homemade. Does that sound good? All right, so, so she's naming her need when she named her son, but she's also naming our needs as well. So the first son is a guy by the name of Reuben. And if you, if you remember, I had you, I had you underline the word seen, because, because Reuben, the name Reuben means to be seen. Scene. And I think the first relational longing inside of all of us, from the, from the time we were born until now, there's a need inside of all of us to be seen. And this is more than just being noticed. It's being seen. It's being seen. All right? Kids aren't happy with you noticing that they're crying. They want you to come in and see them, right? They want you to pay attention to them. The reason they're making all that noise is because they want to be seen. Come on, they want to be seen. Kids do this all the time. I remember as my kids would age, and I'm trying to have a, 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 a very like a, a, a conversation, an important conversation with someone, I'd be trying to talk to them, and, and sure enough, my kids would be like, hey dad, hey dad, look over here. I'm riding my bike, no hands. You know, this is, why? Because our kids have a desire. They don't care what's going on. They want to be seen. From a very young age, each and every, every one of us have this need inside of us. That's why it's so important in your marriage relationships to make eye contact. Going on a date isn't enough if you're just staring at your phone. So you bought her dinner but never looked at her in the eyes? Like that doesn't work, it doesn't work. You've got to learn to put that thing down and look in the eyes. There's something about when you look in your, in, your, in your wife or your husband's eyes, it renews the love all over again. Come on, just staring into the eyes. Try to have a conversation without eye contact and it's not a good conversation. We have to learn the ability to disconnect from whatever's engaging you and give attention to what's most important. There's something powerful about looking at someone in the eyes, amen. It's amazing when you take the, the, the time out of the busyness of life and the busyness of schedules because how many know life is crazy sometimes? We've got kids, we've got jobs, we've got bills, we've got all these different things that are vying for our attention, but there's something powerful about pausing all of that and looking someone in the eye, looking them right in the eye. There's something about that. There are windows to the soul for a reason. I was hoping everybody would shout amen. Come on. There's something about making eye contact. Because inside of each and every one of us, there's a need to be seen, that I can see you. I know you for who you really are. I can look at your eyes, I can see your heart, I can know your passion, the real you on the inside. You see, in our world today, people go for the, the counterfeit, which is just to be noticed. And so people will do all sorts of things to be noticed. They'll do their hair weird. They'll color their hair weird. They'll wear, they'll, they'll wear certain types of clothes. They'll drive a certain type of car. They'll, they'll, they'll make really loud noise, all because they're trying to be noticed. But it's, it's kind of a fake thing. It's like a house of cards. Because be, to be noticed isn't enough. We need to be seen. We need someone to be able to look at us and see us for who we really are. Amen. Amen. So Leah has this child, and so instantly she names her need. And the first need that she has is to be seen. So she has this baby. She says, I'm going to name him Reuben. God has seen me. And what she was saying is, and now, now my husband's going to see me. I'm go I got the firstborn son. Now he's going to walk past Rachel, and he's going to see me. 
He's going to see me. Are you seeing this? He's, he's going to walk past Rachel and see me. She was naming a need that she had to be seen, and it's a longing that each and every one of us have to be seen. Number two, number two, the second child she has is a guy by the name of Simeon. Somebody say Simeon. And Simeon means to be heard. It means to be heard. If you look at it in the text, I asked you to underline the word heard. God has heard me. And so she names her son Simeon, which means to be heard. Have you ever been, been going along and, 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 and just kind of doing stuff, maybe listening to music or just driving down the road? And, and uh, I, I do this many times because uh, right now my, both of my boys have, are, are, are not really with me all the time. And so when we're, when we're hanging out, it's, it's my daughter Abby and my wife, all right? And, and they love to talk. A lot. All right, so if, if we go out on a little, a little date with the three of us, you know, I, I can sit there, I can literally eat an entire meal and just shake my head and uh-huh, uh-huh. Cause they're just, I'm done, finished, looking for dessert. They haven't even started, like no bites taken, right? Because they're just talking and talking and talking. And a lot of times I can, as they're talking, I just kind of zone out, you know what I mean? Like any other guys can relate to me like this? Like I just kind of zone out. I'm kind of like, you know, uh-huh, uh-huh. But, but I'm, I'm, just, I'm just kind of like looking off into space, enjoying, just feeling totally set from the whole thing. And all of a sudden, they kind of bring me back in like, Dad, Dad, are you even listening? Are you even listening? And I'm like, I'm totally listening. I'm hearing everything. And of course, later on, my wife will pile on. You do that all the time. You don't listen to us. Why? Because each and every one of us have a need. Bryn preached a sermon about being on radio and listening. There's a difference between hearing and listening. There's a difference. Don't ever confuse hearing and listening. Guys, listening is not she's talking, I'm doing something else. That's not, that's not listening, all right? You can hear and not listen. We were created... We were created to communicate, to hear, to be heard, the power of being listened to. There's a value in that. There's a value that all of us need because when you listen, you're actually communicating. You're communicating to the person that what you're saying is important to me. I value what you're saying. It's worth me to redirect my time, redirect my attention and my focus. Every single one of us need to be heard, and every one of us need to listen. That's why one of the worst forms of punishment that we have is called solitary confinement. Many people would choose pain over being isolated and cut off from everyone else. We would actually prefer to be inflicted with some sort of painful punishment than to be put in isolation. Why? Because we have a longing. God created us to be heard. To communicate, it's, it's a longing inside of us to, to engage with. And here's Leah. Leah. Leah has this second child, and she names him Simeon, which means to be heard. And what she's saying, she's saying, now my husband will hear me. He'll pay attention to me. I'm going to be able to have that engagement with him. There's a cry on, on the inside of each and every one of us, wondering, is anybody listening? Is what I have to say important? And that's what Leah's saying. So she named her need, which is to be heard. Then she has another, another kid. She's getting busy, all right? So she's, she's way up on the scoreboard. Rachel, zero. Leah, three. All right, so she has the third one, and she names the third child Levi. And I had you underline the word attach in your Bible because Levi means attach. And what, what's that saying to us is that inside of every one of us, there's a longing, a relational longing that we all have 
to be attached to something. We could say it like this, a be to belong. We have a longing for belonging, all right? We want to belong to something. That's why so many people jump on a sports team. That's why so many people jump on a, a club or join a gang. Because, because people are desperate to belong to something, to attach themselves to something, to, to wear a certain color, to support a certain team. There's power in attachment. We all want it. All right, you guys with me today? Come on. I'm going to take a drink. I want you to consider your involvement. <laughs> we long to belong. Every one of us, God created us that way. That's why this whole, this whole idea of, of not being able to gather in person is an attack from the enemy because we, we long to be around and to belong to something. And church is the ultimate expression of that. It's a place where we can come and we can be seen for who we are, where we can let down our facade, we can be ourselves. And we can still fit in. And we can still belong to some, there's something inside of us that desires community, that desires a place to call home. And God gives us the church, he provides the church for that reason. And he doesn't say, hey, church is a place, elevates a place you go and, and, and you just, it's a big concert on Sunday. That's not what God intended. God, God didn't intend, oh, it's an event that you go to on Sunday. No, God intended church to be a community, a community of disciples. And disciples require discipleship. And discipleship doesn't happen on Sundays and can't necessarily happen from a pulpit. Discipleship happens in the context of community, in the context of relationships. Belonging happens when you serve on a team. Come on, you involve yourself. It, it, that, that provides community. It provides connection. It's ironing, sharpening iron. And so, so Leah has this third child, and she says, I'm going to name him Levi because, because I need attachment. I need to feel like I belong somewhere. You know that your body, the largest organ on your body is actually your skin. It, it's your skin. Skin is filled with millions and millions, perhaps, perhaps even billions of nerve endings, and what are nerve endings for? They're for touch, they're for touch. I've had the opportunity to watch Brent and Cindy's wonderful twins a couple times while they've enjoyed a date night, and, and what I've noticed with them at this stage in their life and their development is you, you set them down, if they don't wanna be set down, they're just, gonna, they're just gonna make all kinds of noise. Whatever they're gonna do. And you're just like, come on, dude, Moana, like, come on, enjoy. <laughs> Prince said it, Moana. I'm singing songs, I'm doing the dance, doesn't work. What, what they want is they wanna be picked up. And you'll notice as soon as you pick them up, all of a sudden, the stress, the distress, it all goes away. Why, because they're longing for touch. They're longing to be attached. That's, that's how God created us. So never underestimate the power of a handshake. I'm telling you, man, I, I, when they told me at the beginning of these things, you can't shake someone's hand, I'm thinking, I just can't not do that. Don't hug anyone. I can't not do that. 
I'm sorry, if you see me coming towards you and you are anemic of hugs and handshakes, run for your life, because I'm gonna just do it, because I can't help myself, all right? It's just the way it is. All of us, we're created for that. We're created for touch and for belonging, and, and there's power in touch. You, were, you and I were created to be attached. That's why don't ever uh, underestimate it. A, t a pat on the back, a squeeze of the shoulder, a, a hand on a hand. All of that stuff is so important because it's connection. It, it, it gives us the feeling of attachment. It's a longing we all have. Somebody say amen. All right. Come on, scoreboard three. Delicate eyes. I did three. <laughs> three delicate eyes. All right. Nothing for beautiful and form and whatever. All right. So she has another child, all right? And she names this child Judah, which means praise. And she thinks, she names him praise because she thinks now, because the scoreboard says what it says, now I'm gonna be praised. I mean, scoreboard for me, zero, Rachel. And so inside she's thinking, well now I'm gonna be praised. Do you know that inside of every one of us is a longing to be praised? That's why one of the things that God says that we're looking forward to when we meet God, we're looking forward to him saying what? Well done, good and faithful servant. What is that? That is called praise. That's when someone that is praising us. That's why, guys, we love to hear, oh my gosh, your muscles are so huge. The shirt around your arms, oh my, you're gonna have to get a larger size, honey. That is just amazing. Guys love that. They, what'd you say? They're gonna act like you didn't hear, they didn't hear it. Can you say that again? I didn't hear, I didn't hear what you said. Oh my gosh, your shirt, wow. I'm getting hot in here. Can you turn on the air conditioning? That, that's, guys love that. We eat that up, all right? Because praise is powerful. That's why we need to praise our husbands. We need to praise our kids. We need to praise our wife because whatever you praise elevates. Yes, yes, true. It elevates. What you praise elevates, all right? You can't have praise without some appreciation. You can't have praise without appreciation. All right, so that's why whenever we go out with Brent and Cindy, Brent, Brent will take this look up and down at his wife and go, oh my God, baby. He'll say something like that. Because well, he's appreciating what God's given him, all right? And then he says it out of his mouth. That's called praise. You appreciate something, and then you, it causes you to praise. Appreciation is the opposite of what? It's the opposite of depreciation. Appreciation is the opposite of depreciation. If you buy a house and it appreciates, what happened to it? It rose in value. It's worth, now, it's worth more now than when you paid for it. But if you buy a house and it depreciates, what happened? It actually is worth less now than when you bought it. So when you, uh, praise is a result of appreciation. And so I learned that if you appreciate your spouse, you'll have them rising in value. How did I learn this? Well, because when we first got married, I was a doofus. That's just it. I thought my job was to correct my wife. I would make a terrible correctional officer. Horrible. Because it, it didn't go well with me. As a matter of fact, it just turned, it just turned our home into like this, this angry, mad, dark, scary place to be. 
it got, so, got to the point where I remember going into my dad's office, this is like a year after we'd been married, and I'm like, I'm so frustrated. I'm like, why did I do this? Why did I get married? I'm 20 years old. Everybody told me not to do it, should have listened. I remember going, you guys, don't get so scared, man, come on. I'm, you don't have to talk me off the cliff. But I remember going into my dad's office and like, dad, I made a mistake. Like real tears. I made a mistake, Dad, I can't believe, why didn't you warn me? I tried. I mean, you know, that, that, that's kind of what was going on, and I was so frustrated inside, and I just didn't know what to do. And of course, my dad gave me some pretty good advice, all of which involved me changing, which I hated. I hated all of those. But, but as time went on, I felt like God began to lead me toward what it was going to take for me to have a great marriage. And, 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 and it came from the scripture to speak those things that are not as though they are. That's the ultimate expression of faith is to speak something into existence. All right? Now, now how did I see this and how, how does this relate to marriage? I'm going to try and do the best I can. Because all of us, at the end of every year, we all make that, 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 that um, New Year's resolution that we're going to read the Bible this year cover to cover. I'm joining Pastor Adam's Bible reading plan, and I, I am not going to miss a day. I'm going to read it cover to cover, all right? All of us have done that. And so we start January 1st, the same place every year, Genesis. So we know Genesis really well. Everybody in here knows exactly how Genesis goes, right? Because we don't fall off till about March when we get to Leviticus. And we, talk, we read about, you know, boiling their, their you know, goats in their mother's milk. And we're just like, what the heck? You know, this is weird. And then we fall off, all right? But Genesis, we all know really well. Okay, so when we think about Genesis and how God created the marriage union, we all have a pretty good idea of how the whole thing went. Is that true? Like all of us, we, we think we know how, it's, how it went. Like, like God said, you know, he looked down, Adam's there by himself with a bunch of animals and, 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 and now God's feeling bad about the whole thing. He's like, it's not good for man to be alone. So, so why don't we create a helpmate for this guy? Right, that's how it goes, right? Am I sliding anything by you guys? That's how it goes, right? You know how it goes, is that how it goes? Okay, that's how it goes. And so then what happens next? He puts Adam into a deep sleep, pulls out the rib, creates Eve with it, wakes Adam up. He's like, oh my God, whoa, man, that's how it happened. That's how we see it, right? Is that how the Bible goes? Does everybody agree with that? But that's not how it goes. It's just not how it goes. Because before he puts Adam to sleep, in between, it's not good for man to be alone, and before he, whoa, man, before that, there's something that happens in between that I never saw before. And, and what it is, is, is verse 19 of Genesis 2. The Lord said, it's not good for man to be alone, so I'm gonna make a helper suitable for him. And the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals. What? Do you remember that part? I don't. Doesn't it seem like he just kind of like went to a different place right there? But check it out, I, I'm gonna make a helper. Now the Lord had formed out of the ground all the wild animals, all the birds. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that's what they became. The very next scripture, he puts Adam into to a sleep and brings forth Eve. What was God doing right there? God recognized Adam needs a helper, but before, but before he'd bring him a partner, before he'd bring him a bride, before he'd bring him a helper, he's gonna teach Adam the power of his speech. And so Adam, he says, Adam, I want you to name every animal. And so he brings them one by one. And the Bible says, whatever Adam called them, that's what they became. It's almost like God was saying, Adam, I'm trying to teach you something here. 
that whatever you praise, elevate, it becomes what, it's gonna become what you say. The helper I'm gonna give you, she's gonna become what you call her. And it's like God was saying, Adam, your wife is everything you've called her. There's some really nervous husbands in here right now. Huh? Adam, your wife is, is she's, she's become everything that you've called her. She's a byproduct of your ability to be a husband. You know, because the way I, I, I thought would go, I thought this would go really good. Is it okay if I, I sidetrack from this message a little bit? See, I thought that, you know, everybody knows that the, 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 the chapter in the Bible that best describes the woman that you want is Proverbs 31. Right? That's why all you ladies, you have that, like, Proverbs 31 woman t-shirt that you bring out every once in a while. Well, listen, we've read that chapter too, and we would really like you to become that. That's amazing. Okay, so, so, so inside, I'm thinking, like, Okay, so I want my wife to become that, so guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to open up my Bible to, to Proverbs 31, just leave it on the table. Wait till she's there and go, oh, there's a Bible open on the table. Oh, it's open to Proverbs 31. How interesting. Why don't we have a Bible study and talk about the, the many things? But the problem is, is verse 28. The problem is verse 28 of, of Proverbs 31, where the Bible says this, that her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Now the first part of that's a little bit weird because my kids never woke up in the morning and go, oh, mom is so blessed. No, they never did that. But I think, I think what, what, in order for Proverbs 31 woman to ever exist, it all comes back to verse 28 where the husband has created an environment in the home. He set a foundation in the home of praise that, 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 there's, that the children, that, that everyone is praising her, and the reason she's so amazing, the reason that she's Proverbs 31 is because the atmosphere and the environment that's, that's been created in the home is so amazing. And when mom walks in, everybody knows that's mom. That's mom. Verse 29. He looks at her, the husband. Look what he says next. He says, many daughters have done well. And there's lots of other women. There's lots of other girls. Look what he says. But you excel them all. Man, that's a big, a big hint of how to have a Proverbs 31 wife is to begin to speak to your, to your, to your, to your wife like that. Yeah, there's, well, how am I looking at these jeans? You look better than everyone. You're, you're the only one I have eyes for. Well, what about these stretch marks? They look like flames on a hot rod. I mean, they're amazing. <laughs> Whoops. It's, it's not in my notes, I promise. You can look, it's not there. Whoops, all right. <laughs> okay, um, woo, don't say that. That's not praise, what you praise elevates. Okay, so I remember, let's get off that whole subject. But I remember one time, and maybe Jordan, you remember this too, and, and I'm not trying to throw Jordan under the bus, but I, but I do remember this. Because, listen, when kids are growing up, especially when they're in their, in their younger years, they, they, they naturally talk back. 
Does anybody have kids that do that? So my kids, my kids weren't the only one. I did it to my mother too. And, and I remember Jordan uh, having, we had a conversation one time and he talked back to his mom and, and all the, all, as he was growing up, I'd always said, don't talk back to your mom like that. I always approach it like that. Don't talk back to your mom like that. But this one time as he got a little, a little older, I said, that's my wife. Do you remember me saying that? That's my wife. Don't you talk to my wife like that. And all of a sudden his eyes got a little bit bigger. His eyes got a little bit bigger because there's something different about that. And I think our job as a husband is to esteem our wives and praise our wives because when we do, we create that atmosphere and that environment that, that can thrive. And we say, that's unacceptable. You're, you're not gonna talk to my wife that way. You're, you're creating that atmosphere that she's something different, that she is blessed, all right? I'm gonna be her number one cheerleader. I'm gonna be her number one praiser because the more I praise her, the more she becomes what I want her to become. I tried to do it through guilt and shame and, and, and condemnation and never got what I was looking for. You can't guilt your wife into being a Proverbs 31 or, or, or what you're trying to accomplish, but if you change your language to be a language of praise, you'll see that your family will, get, will begin to blossom. Amen. All right, let's, let's move it. Guys, you're, you're no different. You long to be praised too. That's why they put cheerleaders on the sidelines on a football game. You know what I mean? Like, I just got two yards and a first down and she's praising me. I'm going to really try harder next time. That's why we, 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 we're motivated by praise. Amen. We're motivated by it. Heaven is full of praise. Heaven's full of praise. It's peaceful because of praise. It's awesome because of praise. The angels are in their element because of praise. The earth, on the other hand, is full of chaos. Why? A lack of praise. Yes, Instead, what we see is criticism and insults and slander and gossip, and we wonder why there's chaos. Let's add a little praise, yes. and you'll see it begin to turn around. Amen. We all need praise. Let's give the Lord some praise for that. Amen. All right. <laughs> All right, we gotta move quickly. I only got two more and I got 15 minutes to do it. All right, the, the, the fifth child she has is a guy by the name of Issachar and, and his name means to be rewarded. Say to be rewarded. To be rewarded. What is, what is to be rewarded? To be rewarded is to be acknowledged for, for hard work. It's different than praise. Rewarded is different from praise because, because if all we needed was praise, you know, we could work 40 hours and, 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 and really let our bosses off cheap because he could say, oh man, you did an amazing job. Wow, see you Monday. And we'd be happy with that. But that wouldn't be good enough for us because we'd say, well, yeah, but uh, it's Friday and don't you have something for me? Because what do we want? We want a reward for that labor, which is our paycheck. There's a longing inside of every one of us to be rewarded. It's correct to honor labor. It's correct to honor hard work. When your boss sits you down and at the end of the year and acknowledges that you've done everything that he's asked you to do, he tells you how loyal you've been, how trustworthy you've been, you've exceeded expectations. It's awesome to hear him say all that good stuff. But if he said, um, um, thank you, 
Can you call in someone else? If he did that and didn't say, as a result of what you've done, I'm gonna give you a bonus. I'm gonna give you a raise. If he didn't do that, the, yeah, the, the, the praise is great, but come on, let's back it up with a reward. Can somebody say amen, all right? And so every one of us have that need. And so Leah, she names her fifth son Issachar, and it means to be rewarded. And basically what she's saying is, all right, I've had five sons for you now, time for you to pay up. I need to be rewarded for what I've done. That's kind of what's going on. There's something about that. There's a need inside of all of us to be rewarded. That's why there's power in a thank you note. It's something, when you go the extra mile, when it's not just, hey, thanks, but, but now you're saying, thank you, you're writing it down and putting a gift card in there. There's something about that. There's something about that that all of us want. There's something about a reward for work. There's something about taking your kid out and spoiling them after they accomplish something. It's, it's, it's important to do that, to reward. We all need that. All right. It wasn't as good as the last one. Sorry. Let's go to number six. Number six, Zebulun. And this is the last one. I'll try to unpack this one the best I can. Zebulun means to dwell securely. To dwell securely to dwell securely. Every one of us, one of the biggest needs and longings that we have is for security. And I would think this probably kind of tilts more towards the ladies than it does for the men, especially when we're talking about security. Women want to know that they'll be taken care of, that everything's going to be okay. But I think all of us long for security. And I'm going to put it like this. Security would be kind of like similar to like a wall. What's a wall? A wall is a boundary. I think every one of us, what we need is in our lives to for us to thrive, a longing that we have is a relational boundary. It's being able to have a boundary. There's something that brings security when you know this is, this is really where I can go. This is as far as I can travel. And so here's, here's Leah. She's had her last son, and now, she's, now it's more of a security thing. Am I going to be taken care of? Is this, is this all going to work out? And I think this is where the church fits in the best. Because when you're talking about security and you're talking about boundaries, it's in the house of God, it's in the church, this is where you'll be taught, this is where you learn the boundaries of God, and the devil will try to lie to you about those boundaries. And he'll try to tell you that those boundaries, God's just trying to take all your fun. God's just trying to take, you know, just kind of make your life boring, and he's trying to limit you. He, he, hates, he hates you having fun, so he, he tries to put in all these laws. That's not true. I mean, just think about the Ten Commandments just for a minute. That's not about limiting you from having fun. It's trying to protect you from a life of, of torment. That's what God's trying to do. The boundaries aren't meant to harm you. The boundaries are meant to help you. And so there's boundaries in relationships. There's boundaries in marriage. And when you cross those boundaries, you're not going to have a better relationship. You're actually going to have a break in relationship. And so, so the boundaries are there to protect you. They're not there to limit you. They're there to, 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 to give you freedom to enjoy everything. That's why I love God's word where it says, hey, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is trustworthy, whatever is true, and he lists a whole slew of other things. He says, think on these things. And, it, and it's like God saying this, I'm gonna open up the realms of possibility for you right here. I'm gonna open up your mind to the to so much creativity and limitless opportunity when you just think about these things because you can, you, you, you can think about these things every second of every day for all of eternity and never run out. So it's a boundary, but it opens up the opportunity for you. 
Are you seeing what I'm saying? It's a boundary that opens up the realms of possibility. It's a boundary and it provides security for you. It, it hems you in. Listen, if you don't give boundaries to your kids, you're gonna raise some very, you're gonna raise kids that aren't very confident. They're not gonna know what to do. They're not gonna go which way to go. Now, am I, am I talking about over, over parenting your kid? I'm not talking about that. If you, if you do that, you're never gonna wear that sweater again. That gets a little bit like ticky-tack. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about creating boundaries and saying, look, look, son, daughter, look, this is, this is a line you can't cross, but this is the opportunity that's open for you. And so we don't just create boundaries and say, you can't do that. No, no, we create a boundary and say, look at what you, look what you can do. Look at all the stuff that you can do. Yes, of course, you can't do this, it doesn't work. You can't do both. So I'm gonna create a boundary here and I'm gonna show you all of the possibilities of what's available for you to do. And I'm telling you right now, if you'll begin to create boundaries, it's gonna provide security for you. It's gonna provide security for your kids, it's gonna provide security for your marriage, it's gonna provide security for your family. It's so important to have boundaries, and where do you find your boundaries? You find them in the Word of God. There's no better place to find the boundaries for your life except in God's Word, amen, amen. That's the six relational things uh, that I think all of us need, we, we're born with. And, and Leah, just, I think it's just so brilliant, she names our need. Don't you find that interesting? Wow. Well, I found it interesting. I'm glad you came to see what I think is interesting this morning. Amen. We all need, we all, we, we need these six things. We, we all need to be seen. Don't we? We all need to be seen. We, we, we all need to be heard. Every, every single one of us need to be heard. We need to belong somewhere. We need to have attachment to something. We, we all need to be praised. We need to, we need to hear that you've done a good job. We all, we, we, all, we all need to be rewarded and we all need security. And, and Leah just named every single one of those things. And I think the reason I preach this today is to provide some homemade for you. It's not to give you ammunition of what you don't have. Because maybe we, we look through this list, there's two ways that you can look at these things. You can look at it from a position of lack and say, well, you know what? My husband doesn't do that for me. My husband doesn't, or my wife doesn't do, provide that for me. We can look at all of these things and we can point fingers and cast blame. We can, we can look at all of these things and maybe lament the fact that our, our families don't look like that. Or we can look at these relational longings and seek ways to provide them for someone else. I see you. I see you. I'm gonna look you, I'm making eye contact with you. I see you. I hear you. I'm listening to you. We can, we can look from a position of lack or we can look from a position of, hey, I'm gonna provide this. I'm gonna tell you something. If you'll begin to just, in, in, your, in your relationships, if you'll begin to, to allow these principles, these relational longings to be, become evident in your pr providing them, not waiting for someone to do this for me, but I, I'm gonna do this for them. I'm gonna do this for my kids. I'm gonna do this for my wife. I'm gonna do this for my husband. I'm gonna do this in my relationships. I'm gonna tell you something. You'll see that it will be brought back. It'll be reciprocated. That's how it works. And so maybe in this, in this message, there was 
one or two of these six that you'd say, you know what, I need to work on that. I need to work on that in, my, in the context of my relationships. I need to work on that in the context of my marriage, or I need to work on that in the context of my relationship with my children, or my relationship with my friends, my brother, my sister. If, if God began to deal with you in any of these six different relational longings, just right where you're at, just lift your hand. Just lift your hand all over this place. Come on, let me see your hand. Come on, lift, lift them up. Any of those areas. I'm lifting my hand uh, because I don't have all of these down yet. So I'm, I'm willing to admit that. I'm willing to admit that. Why don't you just leave them up just for a minute? Maybe you say, you know what? I, I had more than one, so I'm going to lift both my hands. Go ahead and do it. Well, I'll lift both my hands. Okay, that's good. Lift them up. Mark says, I, got, I wish I had four hands. I wish I had four hands. Can I lift four hands and two feet, and that's all six? Come on, lift, lift them up. Why don't we lift them up and say, Lord Jesus, Lord, I commit my family to you. I commit my family to you. Lord, I recognize that you created the family. It's so, so vital, such an important part of, of our life. Lord, you gave us the family to, to, to allow us to enjoy relationship, how desperately we need it. And I pray, Lord God, as you've begun to speak to me through this message, I pray right now, just, just in your hearts, I pray, Lord, you begin to show me the needs that I have, the needs that my spouse has, the needs that all of us have. I pray that as you've shown me those, Lord, that I begin to provide those for others. Help me to find ways to, be, to, 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 to see someone. Help me to find ways to hear and listen, Lord, to, to, to what people are speaking to me. Lord, help me find ways to praise and reward and provide security for, Lord, the different people, Lord, in my life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray right now. I want to pray for you. I pray for every marriage in this place. Lord, we recognize just how important marriage is as a foundation. We thank you for marriages. I pray for strong marriages. In Jesus' name, I pray that, that marriages would be strengthened. Lord, that, that marriages would begin to thrive in our church. Lord, we pray, God, for strong unions. Lord, Lord, husbands that honor their wives and praise their wives. Lord, wives that adore their husbands. Lord, a unit that works together in Jesus' name. We believe in you for that. Lord, where there's been offense, I pray there'd be forgiveness. Lord, where there's been wrong, I pray, Lord, it'd be made right in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you, Lord, not only for marriage, but I thank you for family. I thank you for children. Lord, you've blessed us with kids. Lord, it's a picture of you, Lord, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the picture of a family. Lord, you allowed us to experience that in our own lives. And I pray, Lord, that our, our, our families would be strengthened. Lord, that you return the, the hearts of the fathers to the children and the, and the children to their fathers. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, that, that you'd strengthen the relationships that we, that we enjoy with our kids, Lord God, that we'd raise a generation, Lord, that loves you and serves you, that, that knows their boundaries and and is thriving and flourishing in the courts of the Almighty. Lord, right here in the house of God, thank you for that. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. And in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for every person that raised their hand. Lord, in these different areas, I pray you provide, Lord, wisdom and understanding and strength, Lord, as we begin to become more and more like you. In Jesus' name. You know, one of the things I, I noticed in putting this message together is that, you know, right at the beginning of this text, the Bible says that God saw that Rachel was unloved. I just want to ease your mind today. Some of you, you're like, man, nobody really knows what I'm going through. Nobody really knows the pain and the relationships that I have. I want to tell you something today. God sees you. God sees. God sees. And what I, what I love about God, God knows all the needs that we have. He sees you. He hears you. You ever, you ever notice that? 
that, we, that all of these, these six relational longings that we have, we serve a God that, that sees us, that hears us, that, that he wants to shower praise upon you. The Bible says that, that he rejoices over you with singing. He praises you all the time. And he wants to attach himself to you. That's why he sent his son Jesus, so that you could be forgiven and so that you could be born again. You could experience new life in Christ. He, he wants to reward you. The Bible says that God is a rewarder. He wants to reward you, and he wants to bring security. He wants you to dwell securely in his presence. That's how much God loves you. He knows what you need, and he's provided it all. Maybe you're here this morning, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never given your life to Christ. I'd like to give you an opportunity this morning just to make a commitment and to, and to, and to enter into a relationship with a God who knows everything that you need. He knows it all. Maybe that's you all over this place. You say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Would you just simply raise your hand up all over this place? Just raise it up high so I can see it this morning. Anyone at all today, you say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Amen. Amen. So, Lord God, we just, we want to seal this time. We thank you for the family. And we thank you for what you're doing in our families. And I pray, Lord God, that, that uh, Lord, we know that, that, that you're, you're such a, you're such an amazing God, and Lord, that you, you just want to build, build families. I thank you, Lord, that there's going to be more, more marriages that are going to take place in our, in our, in our building. There's going to be more kids born in this place, Lord, because you, you delight in the family. And I pray that this church would be known for strong family relationships. And Lord, in areas that were weak, we can look to your word, and we know that you provide some home aid, Lord, to fix those areas. And so we apply that this week in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we stand and maybe worship the Lord as we end this service this morning, amen. Thank you. Sing us out, sing Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, your love is breaking chains right now, right now. Sing it to the Lord. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, you're overturning grains right now, right now. Oh, sing Breaking chains, oh Jesus, Jesus. Breaking chains, your love is breaking chains. Right oh, come on. Right How many believe that God's raising up our families? Breaking chains, come on, sing it. Oh Jesus, Jesus, your love is breaking chains right now. Right now. Oh, thank you, Lord. Yeah, Oh, Jesus, 
That's exactly what's happening this morning with all that's been spoken up. How many of you appreciate that message this morning? Home aid. We're talking about making the family unit stronger, marriages stronger. I think there's a lot of people in this place, including myself, that heard a few things that I was like, man, I can do better on that. You know what that is? That's God breaking chains in our minds. That's God breaking chains in our marriages and our families. That's what's going on. So thank you so much for coming today. We're glad that you were a part of this. Let's just close this out in prayer. God, we love you today. We thank you, God. Lord, that you are a God who breaks those, those mental barriers that we have. Lord, that, that kind of keep us from, from what it is that you actually want for us. And so, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for what's been spoken today, Lord. I pray that every one of us can go from this place and put those things into action. And, Lord, we thank you for it. I thank you that you're a God who restores. You're a God who makes better. And, Lord, so that's, that's what we want to have today. And we're grateful to you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray for everybody in this place, Lord, as we go from here. Lord, I pray that you keep us safe. Lord, keep us strong. Lord, and I thank you for this family at Elevate Ministries that we get to be a part of. Are you grateful for Elevate Ministries this morning? I'm so grateful for this place and what God is doing here. God, we thank you for all of it in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you today. As you go from this place, make sure you spend some time with your brothers and sisters in here. Tell them how much you love them. God bless you today.